With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly coming to you once again from the Vivid Seat Studio. And guys, it's back to racing this weekend. And I have to be completely honest. It has been a crazy couple of weeks and it's only been a week since I did the last podcast. But still, it's been so crazy with uh, with work and the kids are back at school and all those uh, sorts of things that this past week has been a complete blur. So I had to sit down over the past couple of days to catch up on all, all the news and all the latest goings on in Formula One. So looking forward to getting back to racing this weekend in Singapore. But before we do that, I've got a message from show sponsor, MyBookie, and they have a special going on for everybody that uh, listens to the show here on uh, on the Overtime Media Network. And for any new users on MyBookie.ag, you can double your initial deposit by using our special promo code OVERTIME. And once again, that's for all new users on MyBookie.ag. Double your initial deposit by using our special promo code OVERTIME. Okay, like like I said, uh, we are back to racing this weekend for the Singapore Grand Prix. And full disclosure here, guys, uh, I'll be completely 100% uh, transparent and clear here. I was not a big fan of night races when uh, Formula One decided to introduce that format a number of years ago. I was kind of skeptical. I thought it wouldn't be cool. I thought it was maybe copying some other series like NASCAR and and things like that. But I have to admit that I've completely flipped my stance 180 degrees. And uh, I really look forward to all the night races that we have. And we've got several of them on the calendar uh, nowadays in Formula One. And uh, Singapore, I really enjoy watching this race. It's, uh, it's physically very demanding for the drivers. It's a long race and it's always very hot and humid in Singapore and it's always uh, good from that point of view and it can be uh, unpredictable as well so certainly looking forward to getting that going and uh, it's it like I say it's been a weird week I I, I really felt like I hadn't done anything on the podcast since the last Grand Prix and it was a bit of a shock to the system that it's only been a week since the last episode dropped so I really need to to strap in and uh, and get back to it uh, because uh, I miss Formula One when it's not around and uh, really looking forward to the race this weekend. Anyways, let's look at some of the news. And, um, well, let's start with uh, Nico Hulkenberg uh, out of a drive at the end of the year with uh, at Renault, it being replaced by Esteban Ocon, who's moving over uh, from the reserve driver at the Mercedes. French driver with a French team makes a lot of sense, but leaves uh, the Hulk uh, looking for work for 2020. And at the moment, it doesn't look like there's going to be uh, many takers and the options are starting to dwindle a little bit. And uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not Hulkenberg can stay in Formula One, find a seat by the year. Anyways, Carlos Sainz, the McLaren driver, he believes that Nico should stay in Formula One if it was just uh, purely about uh, speed and talent uh, after the, the news dropped not so long ago that Hulkenberg was uh, out of a job at, uh, at Renault and has uh, been snubbed by Haas, which we're going to talk about uh, in, in a minute. I got, I got a couple of 
things to say about that. Anyways, um, Sainz is um, uh, Hulkenberg's ex-teammate from last year at uh, at Renault and uh, recognizes that he is on the, the risk of being forced out of uh, Formula One. And Carlos Sainz and, uh, said, and I quote, I think everyone knows what uh, Nico brings to the grid. I don't think I need to explain myself much. But as we know in Formula One, it's not always the talent or what you're capable of doing on the track that is uh, predominant. There's a lot of things that can be taken into account other than your talent and how quick you are. If it was speed and talent, he should be on the F1 grid until whenever he wants. And that is true. I mean, uh, Hulkenberg has, um, gosh, he's I think he's got well over 150 uh, Grand Prix, um, probably uh, several more than that, if uh, not quite a bit more than that by now. Never has uh, recorded a podium and has just, uh, it's, it's been unfortunate. I mean, he, this is a guy that won uh, Le Mans uh, just in the past uh, couple of years. So, I mean, he's a talented driver, but it just uh, hasn't really been able to put all the pieces together in Formula One. I have to admit it was a, a, a bit of a surprise, but uh, when you hear some of the more stories that uh, came out that uh, last year, it was Esteban Ocon that was uh, the, the guy that was uh, out of a, a job or out of a race seat once the, the musical chairs of the 2018 silly season ended. And I think well, we probably talked about it at the time, and I'm, I'm positive we did, that it was a shame because I thought uh, that he'd acquitted himself uh, pretty good in a year and, uh, and changed at Force India alongside um, Sergio Perez. And I mean, there was a lot of controversy and uh, incidents uh, between those two. But I mean, the thing is, Esteban proved right. He could hold his, uh, himself uh, and acquit himself well in Formula One and certainly looked like uh, he deserved uh, to, to stay there. But now it turns out that uh, a lot of the reason why he didn't end up uh, at, at Renault last year was uh, the, the whole situation with uh, Danny Ricardo moving and signing a contract there. So that really uh, threw a wrench into some of the work. So it's kind of ironic a year later that it kind of shakes out uh, that he gets the, the the drive there beside Ricardo for 2020 and just a, a little bit uh, sad uh, if you're a fan of Nico Hulkenberg that uh, he's the guy that's uh, left out uh, looking from the outside in at the moment and Hulkenberg uh, does admit uh, that it is uh, a little bit frustrating that, that uh, it is basically all out of his uh, hands and uh, he's referring to his uh, Formula 1 future and uh, he says that uh, he still has realistic chances of finding a seat on the grid for, for 2020 and uh, well I mean one of those uh, um, opportunities uh, dwindled or disappeared uh, earlier this uh, week when on Thursday Haas uh, confirmed that Roman Grosjean is staying away and that's uh, taken away one of the remaining uh, options that uh, that Hulkenberg had and uh, and uh, Hulkenberg, he kind of played it down a little bit uh, saying he insisted that he knew the well advanced that uh, that door closed and uh, uh, Grosjean was going to be uh, staying there. So there are still some possibilities uh, at uh, Alfa Romeo uh, Antonio Giovinazzi is still to be confirmed to stay there for for 2020 alongside uh, Kimi Raikkonen and uh, well I mean uh, Ferrari's kind of given him uh, the tap on the shoulder and uh, their support and uh, their their preference that uh, that he stay there for 2020 of course that uh, makes sense an Italian driver like Antonio staying with an Italian team like Alfa Romeo although they're based in Switzerland because they used to be uh, <laughs> I was going to say Hassa with them because they used to be Sauber I know it's convoluted and confusing but uh, just purely from optics Italian guy in an Italian car with an Italian engine yeah that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, well, sorry, a Ferrari engine, but uh, still. Uh, and also the uh, the other uh, seat that that is yet is um, at Williams, which obviously is maybe not a, a great option, but it's an option nonetheless. And that comes after Thursday's announcement that, that Robert Kubica has uh, announced that he will not stay with the team uh, for for 2020. So if uh, Hulkenberg does end up back with Williams, and his uh, F1 career will basically come uh, full circle because that's uh, where he started when he 
broke into Formula One back in uh, 2010. It's hard to believe that the guy's already been in Formula One for uh, almost a decade. That's uh, that's mind-blowing. Anyways, uh, Hulk himself uh, had to say, uh, quote, I think you see and understand for yourself what's available, which seats and which uh, not. I think it's pretty obvious right now it's to a big extent out of my out of my control, out of my hands. We just need a bit more time, and I still think there are possibilities and realistic chances, and in this game, you can never be too sure. Anyways, that is, uh, yeah, well, we'll wait and see how that uh, plays out. But uh, just talking about uh, Haas now, that was um, an option. Um, well, at least it was until Thursday. But uh, Gunther Steiner has uh, explained what he called was a close call of um, going and sending an offer Nico Hulkenberg's way in uh, favor of retaining uh, Roman Grosjean for, for 2020. And, uh, well... Apparently, he was on the radar at Haas uh, to partner up with uh, Kevin Magnussen in, in 2020, which uh, that would have been interesting, to say the least. I mean, these guys have a bit of a history on the track over the, the past couple of years. So to see them uh, working together, racing alongside uh, each other in the same team would have been uh, been interesting. I don't know if that had anything to do with Steiner's uh, ultimate decision, whether or not to, to keep or um, offer a contract to, to Hulkenberg in favor of uh, retaining Roman Grosjean. I mean, uh, we've seen Magnussen uh, really race uh, Grosjean pretty uh, hard and pretty close over, uh, well, especially this season. Let's go back to uh, Spain a couple of months ago. Uh, there were some incidents there. I mean, Grosjean wasn't uh, too happy about that. They had a coming together at Silverstone. I mean, these guys, they have a history with one another. But again, it uh, it would have been interesting, um, even though I, I think uh, just in general, Grosjean and uh, Magnussen get on pretty good to, together. It, it would have been an interesting, uh, it definitely would have been a sit back and grab the popcorn uh, kind of moment and watch uh, potentially the fireworks unfold between Hulkenberg and uh, and Magnuson, considering the history that the, these two guys uh, have uh, together. But anyways, uh, Steiner, Steiner went on to say, quote, it was a close call, you know, because they are both very good drivers and I hope Nico stays in F1. I like him and he's a good driver. But in the end, we decided to stay with Groma. He's uh, with the team for four years. We know his highs and his lows. We know on a good day, he's a very good driver. He knows the team very well. The biggest reason is our car this year is not performing where as we want it to, to perform, which in the end has nothing to do with the drivers we've got at the moment. It's the car which we're very conscious about. And then uh, Steiner goes on just to um, elaborate a little bit more. And uh, he said that uh, Roman is a big part of uh, helping them understand what uh, what uh, went wrong what has gone wrong with the car in 2019 and he's a big help to, to sort out those problems and they didn't want to have any more unknowns uh, by introducing a, a new st- driver to the, uh, the, the the team uh, even if it's uh, Nico Hulkenberg I mean Hulkenberg to me seems to, to be a pretty consistent driver and uh, Grosjean still has kind of his maddened moments uh, and and his issues although we haven't had any <laughs> the more headline grabbing ones this season let's say let, let's put it that way um but uh yeah i, I think it's it, it's interesting um, that if there was an option uh to uh, replace a guy like Gro- roman grosjean with uh, with nico hulkenberg if i was gunther steiner i seriously would have sat back and really considered that very very closely uh, grosjean i mean he's been around f1 for a while and l- let's admit it i mean He's had his moments, but I think if it was really going to happen for him, it would have happened uh, by now. And uh, honestly, I think he's had 
Well, let, let's just put it this way. Let's just say that I admire Gunther Steiner's loyalty to his drivers because if it was uh, it, it was me and some of the things that Grosjean has done and uh, just the inconsistency and some of the embarrassing things that, uh, that have happened uh, with him in the team, I may not have been as uh, forgiving and loyal as Gunther Steiner if I saw an option and Nico Hulkenberg. I think uh, I would have been a lot quicker to pull that trigger and send uh, a, a contract uh, Nico's way. But again, I guess there's a reason why Gunther Steiner is running a Formula One team and I am sitting here doing a Formula One podcast. So <laughs> there's a reason why people do what they do in the world. But uh, anyways, just my two cents. Anyways, as I mentioned just a couple of uh, minutes ago, Robert Kubica, the Polish driver, back in Formula One um, after uh, you know many year, years away, eight years uh, away from uh, the, the sport after that horrible accident he had rallying back in 2011, which uh, almost cost him his arm, has uh, announced that uh, he will not return to Williams uh, for 2020, and he's uh, decided to part ways with the team at the end of the, uh, the, the 2019 season. I mean, number one, I mean, it is a, a phenomenal achievement or achievement uh, that uh, Robert Kubica did to get back to that level of fitness and be able to race at the highest level. I mean, uh, he hasn't been sitting around doing nothing for the past uh, several years. I mean, he's been racing. He was able to test um, occasionally here and there. And just for him to be actually in the conversation as he was over the past year or so and actually landing a race drive again in Formula One. I know it's Williams and uh, they, they've had the, obviously some big issues with the team, with the car over the past couple of years I mean just for him to get a race seat in Formula One is impressive so it is a little bit disappointing it's sad to see him go but uh, it, it has not worked out uh, well I mean he scored the only point uh, that Williams has so far this season but he really has been uh, second best uh, to his teammate uh, George Russell and he's been uh, outqualified uh, by him each and every race but uh, still I mean uh, when you have a guy like that, it's kind of like a rooting for the under, uh, underdog, you could say, to a certain extent. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm sad to, to see him go. And uh, he's decided to leave the team in uh, order to, what he says, uh, to uh, evaluate our opportunities uh, for, the, for, the, for the future. So he's using the, uh, the royal hour, uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, obviously he must be uh, considering it from his own, uh, his family's point of view, not just uh, his own. But uh, he does uh, have to say, and I quote, I always say it took a lot of energy, a lot of time for me to recover, to come back to the sport. Since I joined F1, I would like to stay. I said this year it would be a goal to remain in F1, but not for every cost. And I think I have to first of all do what uh, will bring me back a bit of joy of racing. Of course, the season has been very tough from a performance point of view, but it's also been very demanding. Being back in Formula One after a long time is not easy, especially when you are in a difficult situ situation like we are. Nevertheless, I have to thank the team for the opportunity, and we will see what the future will bring. So it is, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, a bit sad to see that, uh, that he's going, like I say, but... If, if he's not enjoying it, if he's struggling, if uh, the car's not there, if, uh, you know, just to, if, if his heart's not in it, maybe it is uh, for, for the best that uh, Robert Kubica moves on and uh, tries uh, something else uh, for, for 2020. So anyway, so obviously that is a seat uh, that's going to be open uh, for, for next year. And uh, definitely, I think that uh, that Nico Hulkenberg will probably be uh, thinking and looking at it uh, very, um, very carefully. The, uh, the other option is that uh, they uh, could put a Nicholas Latifi into that uh, seat, so we'll we'll wait and see what uh, what happens. But 
at least from William's point of view, there's nowhere to go but up. And just to, to finish off on uh, Kubica before the break here, um, he uh, drew some uh, praise from some of his peers, especially Lewis Hamilton, who uh, really had some good things to say about uh, Gro- uh, sorry, um, uh, Kubica's return to Formula One and just uh, the, all the hard work and just the, the, the feat that it was. So very impressive. And nice to hear uh, Lewis weigh in on that. And just a, a, another note uh, as well, just uh, regarding Williams, they have uh, extended their Mercedes engine deal to 2025. So interesting that uh, that is one of the first official confirmations of anything that it's happening post-2020, uh, considering that uh, the 2021 regulations uh, still aren't uh, sorted out or at least not uh, publicly released or a, a deal has been made. But uh, it's uh, good to see that, uh, at least from an engine point of view, that um, they've obviously got one of the best, if not the very best engines in Formula One. And uh, now they just have to build a good car around it. Anyways, time for a very quick break here on Scuderia F1. Don't go away. We'll be back after this very short break. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. Coming to you once again from the Vivid Seats uh, studio. Once again, uh, my bookie show sponsor has uh, a special going on for uh, listeners of this show on the Overtime Media Network. So for any new users on mybookie.ag, double your initial deposit by using special promo code OVERTIME. All right, let's move along in the news here. And well, if you're Sebastian Vettel, if um, you know you are, are struggling and it's been well over year since Sebastian has won uh, a race in Formula One to get a vote of confidence from two guys like Total Wolf and Ross Braun uh, to, to be in your corner I think is uh, something that, that really has to motivate you maybe give you a little bit of extra confidence maybe feel a little bit uh, better about yourself because it's been a tough 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 year I mean problems that uh, that were his fault uh, fault of the car fault of the team a lot of different things uh, going on uh, but uh, Sebastian uh, again had a moment uh, at uh, the Italian Grand Prix at Monza the last uh, last week in which uh, he uh, he went off in the Ascari bend, came back on unfortunately uh, collected Lance Stroll in the process, was given a penalty for that and ended up in what was it 13th or 14th uh, position while uh, teammate and newcomer to the team uh, Charles Leclerc goes on to, to claim victory in epic fashion I mean it was, it was a great race uh, to watch but uh, I think if you're Sebastian Vettel after that you probably 
probably felt like crawling under a rock or going to hide somewhere very, very far away. But uh, obviously, that's not going to help uh, the issues that uh, that you have going on uh, with you with your season and well, basically your your last season in a bit. Uh, it was just uh, it, w- it wasn't fun to watch. I mean, I've been critical about the guy on the show over the last year or so, but at the end of the day, I mean, I don't want to see him struggle. I, w- I want to see everybody do well. I want to see straight up fighting on the track. I think that's uh, what it comes down to. Personal uh, loyalties aside, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're a fan of Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, Charles Leclerc, whoever it is. You just you want the guy that you're cheering for to do well, and ultimately, if um, they're, I mean, in a perfect world, all these guys would all be in good form. They'd all be driving cars that were of a similar quality and uh, and reliability and speed and handling and all those things would be a fairly level uh, playing field, and we'd be able to watch them uh, scrap it out each each and every race weekend, and that would uh, be wonderful. I think that's why it made it uh, so enjoyable watching uh, Charles Leclerc and the Mercedes guys at uh, at Monza the other weekend. I mean, Lewis had a go at Charles for a long, long time. And even though Charles uh, made some questionable choices in the way he decided to to defend that uh, decision, Lewis wasn't able to get around him uh, before his tires went and uh, Bottas had a crack at him for a couple of laps right at the end. But you know what? I mean, take away just the, uh, some of the questionable stuff. And I still think it was kind of 50-50. It wasn't quite as blatant or as obvious as uh, we'd uh, seen uh, Max Verstappen do over the years. But hey, that's a different conversation for a different day. But uh, just um, just in the fact that it was uh, it was exciting, it was really really exciting, and the fact that uh, that Charles Leclerc did it without the benefit uh, of his teammate uh, to run interference and maybe block the two Mercedes drivers or make their task a little bit more difficult, I think just uh, went to underline uh, how important and how big that uh, that that win actually was. But still. For, for Vettel, it must have been very, very difficult, uh, you know, to, to have uh, that happen to him once again. And I still maintain, after really thinking about it, that it is the the, the car that uh, the lack of downforce that uh, that uh, the, the Ferrari generates and the, the, the fact that uh, they don't often get uh, the, the tires into that sweet spot, uh, that, that uh, you know, that optimum uh, temperature range, uh, just because of the lack of the, the downforce. And then, of course, in the corners, the lack of grip. I think a lot of the, uh, the, the issues he's had this year, you look at Bahrain, uh, Canada and then again Monza I think it just looks like a guy that isn't 100% comfortable with the equipment uh, that that he has but uh, certainly I mean he has been under fire he's been um, really I think uh, obviously he's got to be frustrated I mean especially look back at uh, Montreal when uh, he had that little uh, twitch that sent him off of the track and then he rejoined uh, still in the lead and and just ahead of Lewis Hamilton and he was uh, you know handed the, t- the the penalty which gave Lewis the, the the race victory and Sebastian was so ticked off afterwards he went and uh, back into the park for May and went uh, and moved the the signs around put the one you know for the first place finish back in front of his car instead of uh, Lewis's. So, I mean, he was ticked off and, and, and rightly slow. So you can completely understand why he would be, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he would be unhappy about that. But still, I mean, it has been very, very difficult uh, for it. And uh, uh, Total Wolf uh, said that uh, despite the problems that he's had, and I quote, I'm just saying, don't write him off. He's a four-time world champion. And the difference between the great ones and the good ones is that the great ones are able to get back up again. And I have no doubt he can do that. He's had a spell of bad races. And now it will be about the ability to get himself back into where he deserves to be. And uh, for sure, it it is a bad day for him. He's referring to the Italian uh, Grand Prix. And 
uh, Ross Braun basically uh, echoes those uh, sentiments, and uh, he says, and I quote, Vettel is clearly one of the greats of our sport, but at this tough time, he really needs the support of his team uh, to regain the confidence he seems to be lacking at the moment. That, as well as pushing on with the car, uh, development has to be a priority for Team Bus Mattia, but not over the coming weeks. It won't be easy, but essential, especially in terms of uh, 2020. And, uh, I mean, truer words have uh, never been spoken. I mean, they really need to get it right. I mean, that's a Ferrari. Uh, that is, get the design of the car and uh, really make up for some uh, lost opportunities. I mean, they really had a legit shot to win it last year. Vettel had a legit shot to be a uh, world champion again last year. And, I mean, it would have been a completely different uh, tone to this year for obvious reasons. If he was the five-time world champion instead of uh, Lewis Hamilton, I mean, uh, history, of course, is uh, completely different. But still maintain that uh, that if you're Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel, you're looking at uh, 2018 as a season that, uh, that 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 slipped through your through your fingers and got away. So Vettel says, and I, I'm going to use the the the, the, uh, the phrase that he used. He's still lacking what he calls absolute trust in uh, the 2019 SF90. And uh, despite Charles Leclerc having won the, the last two races at Spa and Monza, it, uh, it it's uh, just not working for him. And um, Juan Pablo Montoya, a former uh, Formula One race winner and a, a driver, he said last week, defending Vettel, that is, and uh, saying that the latest error that uh, cost him, uh, you know, some dignity and, uh, and, and obviously points and a shot at a victory at Monza, uh, he said it's not a sign of mental weakness. Uh, JPM said, uh, I don't think it's mental. It's not that I'm in the wrong place uh, mentally. Pardon me, that's uh, Vettel. Uh, when uh, he was reading about uh, Juan Pablo's uh, comments. And uh, Seb goes on to say, I think I'm doing the uh, right thing. So why, that's why I think it's crucial not to overcomplicate things too much and pull through it. Yes, here and there, I might not have absolute trust in the car and not the best feeling yet. But I think it's improving the understanding of the car. Then it's a question of details, lining them up. And I'm convinced that hopefully sooner than later it will click and things will start to fall in place. Until then, I think we need to keep our head down. So that's that's true. I think uh, a lot of the things, I think it really is sort of manifest that this isn't a guy that really feels that uh, that he can push the car uh, completely to the limit, right to the, uh, the the limits of the performance envelope, whereas uh, Charles Leclerc is um, obviously had a little bit more success with that. I mean, he probably, in place of winning uh, two races over the past uh, several weeks, he probably could have had at least one, uh, perhaps uh, perhaps not two more race wins uh, this year. So it is what it is. And I, I completely agree with uh, what uh, Ross Braun was saying, is that 2020 has to be completely uh, a big focus for them. And they, they really need to get that car sorted out, get the design sorted for next year, because it's going to be another situation that you just can't let another season go like that. I mean, they were on the ascendancy over a past couple of years. And then abruptly about this year, the wheels, no pun intended, started to fall off uh, for, for different reasons. And I really hope that, that they can uh, that they can get it uh, turned around. I mean, with some of the racing that we've seen this year, either between the Red Bulls and the Ferraris or Ferraris and Mercedes or Red Bull and Mercedes, I think it would uh, be great if we could see more of that uh, more often. But it certainly is very interesting to see how um, Charles Leclerc and uh, Sebastian Vettel have uh, you know differing sort of luck, if you want to call it that, or, or, or fortunes, uh, with the, basically the same um, you know the, the, basically the same uh, machinery. But uh, Charles instead is he's focusing on the negatives uh, despite uh, the wins, and uh, I mean he's had a pretty you know abbreviated uh, career so far. I mean he's only in his uh, early twenties. I mean this is his second 
second full season in Formula One. I mean, last year he was with uh, Sauber uh, Alfa Romeo and getting promoted to, to Ferrari. I mean, there's a, a lot of pressure on the guy. I mean, he's he's done really, really well in his uh, first year with uh, Ferrari. I mean, he's done very, very well in general just in uh, Formula One, just in uh, the, the space of a year of uh, a year and a half now. Anyways, uh, ahead of the, uh, the the Singapore Grand Prix this weekend, Charles said, I always focus on the negatives. Even after a win, even after a weekend that looked perfect from the outside, there's always something you can uh, improve. And especially in myself, at only 21 years old, I have a lot to improve still. So I always focus on the negative, try to understand that and try and work on that for the race after. So I think uh, that that's a good uh, little window into the mentality of uh, Charles Leclerc, because I think a lot of it has to be in the details. I mean, <laughs> let's face it all of these guys even the guys that uh, that uh, secretly or maybe not so secretly we we criticize uh, for maybe they're a little bit fortunate to be in formula one in general these are all very very good drivers <clears throat> excuse me obviously some of them are are, are better i mean uh, the, the likes of lewis hamilton i mean lewis stands out apart from uh, everyone else i mean uh, but i mean you got max verstappen you got sebastian vettel valtteri bottas is no slouch i mean there are so many good drivers in there so to hear charles uh, talking about uh, that that it's the negatives of things that um, that that's that he could have improved on where he could have found better performance what what he could have done to make his race not just be really good but be absolutely um outstanding or perfect i think is uh, is really fascinating just his focus on the details of what uh, what needs to be done because i think if you focus on the details the bigger larger picture will take uh, care of uh, take care of itself and i guess it's like that uh, saying sometimes you win and sometimes you learn so you know there's uh, no such thing as uh, you know <laughs> well i guess losing isn't fun but certainly if things don't go the way that uh, you're expecting and uh, it doesn't have to be uh, purely in formula 1 of course that uh, that if things don't work out there is a good opportunity to take back uh, or take a step back afterwards and look and focus and see exactly what uh, what ro- went wrong and what uh, can be approved upon uh, for the future but anyways talking about uh, focusing on the details uh, Ferrari has uh, unveiled a new nose cone de- design for Singapore so this is in uh, their ongoing quest uh, to chase uh, the, lo- the low speed performance and find more grip as they uh, want to continue this uh, streak of uh, wins that they've had in Formula One uh, it-, it really looked like for well, basically up until the summer break that uh, that it wasn't going to happen for Ferrari this year it just uh, it seemed that this might be a year that uh, would be uh, completely winless for them and then uh, well we had uh, we had Spa we had uh, Italy and all of a sudden things seem uh, completely different but you know I mean those were two uh, uh, circuits where there's some very long straight sections and the straight line uh, speed of the Ferrari was always going to be an an advantage and certainly I think that uh, Charles Leclerc did an outstanding job when he needed to to really uh, use that to his full advantage and uh, that that helped him basically win two races it looked like it was going to be very very dodgy but uh, it looked like he may not be able to fend off uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas and all all his rivals there in those couple of races but uh, he did what he needed to do and he hung on and uh, he's got a pair of uh, wins to his name and I think that's uh, really impressive so um but now we go into um, you know some some tracks where maybe that's uh, that straight line speed isn't going to be as uh, apparent and uh, as advantageous as it, as it was at uh, at Spa or at Italy. So 
Are they going to find a solution to the problems that they have for the lack of grip and the lack of downforce and the lack of performance of these cars going through the slower sections of the track or through the corners? That remains to be seen. But there, there's only so much that they can do. And obviously with, the, well, I mean, there's more than a handful of races left in the season at this point. But uh, at least uh, Ferrari, you know, they, they are looking at uh, at options at uh, what, what they can still do to improve the car that they have right now rather than just saying, oh, to, you know, to hell with it. We're not... Uh, doing any more development no matter how big or small uh between now and the the end of the year we're just uh, focusing completely on 2020 and uh well Mattia Bonato team principal did say earlier this week that uh, that he still believes that there is uh, some performance and still um, some race wins that they can uh, that they can go and target for the remainder of the season so you know We'll wait and see. I have to think that uh, my feeling was that uh, that that Spa and Monza were going to be their two best opportunities to win this season. Whether or not they've done enough uh, to win or uh, develop the car, solve some of the issues uh, that the, that they have with it, and the downforce and lack of grip. Whether or not that's been solved, uh, we'll we'll find out this weekend. It might be a good indication, but unless uh, proven otherwise, I really don't know if they'll be able to to find another situation where they can win like they did over the past couple. The weekends, but I think if they did, it certainly would make things uh, interesting. I mean, they're 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 not going to challenge for the constructors. Uh, Vettel or Charles Leclerc aren't going to catch uh, Lewis Hamilton in the drivers' championship, but still, it would be uh, fun to watch and uh, see a bit of a momentum shift and see Ferrari get a, a little bit of their mojo back, especially down the stretch of the season here, and um, maybe get uh, some at least some positive momentum going out uh, from this year and into 2020. Anyways, time for another quick break here on uh, Scuderia F. One, don't go away. We'll be back after this very short message from our show sponsors. Don't go away. We'll be right back. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So let's talk about uh, some uh, other things right now. And uh, Honda has said that uh, they admit that the uh, the the freak power cut uh, that uh, Max Verstappen suffered during a qualifying during the Italian Grand Prix could uh, happen again. And uh, basically, what they were saying was that uh, the, the the Honda engine went into a, a certain special protection mode that activated after uh, Verstappen went over a curb, and something that this uh, this uh, protection mode activated after the curb strike. And uh, according to motorsport.com, the FIA is looking into it as a a system that is perhaps a a kind of a a power aid uh, or or driver aid. And, um, well, basically what they're saying is that they don't believe or they're implying that Red Bull or Honda have a form of uh, traction control. But uh, this protection mode that that is in the engine that reduces torque when uh, the driver suffers too much wheel spin partially replicates the phenomenon of, uh, of, of traction control and a driver. So it's it's interesting to see uh, what uh, what is going to happen for that. I mean, traction control has been banned in Formula One since uh, 2008. I mean, I've got it in my car and it's great, especially during the winter and it's icy and snowy and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the the technical regs in Formula One uh, state that uh, no car could be equipped with a system or device which is capable of preventing the wheels from spinning under power or compensating for uh, excessive torque uh, demand by the driver. So um, it is... The first time that that system uh, activated, apparently, and um, so we'll see what uh, what happens. And uh, it's it's interesting that uh, that 
I didn't think that these things were around. And obviously, then they don't come to light uh, very often. They're discussed uh, very often. But there's a lot that goes into a, a Formula One car. And uh, I guess even though everything that uh, that gets uh, monitored uh, in Formula One in all these cars, there's always uh, something um, different that uh, can get uh, sort of sneak through it. And uh, I guess uh, it must have been one hell of a curb strike that if it produced that much uh, wheel spin uh, for the uh, you know that uh, that protection mode to activate in order to. To, uh, you know, protect the engine and, uh, you know, not not over-torque itself. Anyways, uh, moving on to McLaren now, they said that they are not uh, going to compromise their shot at 2020 to save fourth place in the Constructors' uh, Championship uh, this year. And I think that's a, a good stance to have. I, I think, for me, honestly, what McLaren has done this year has been great. Um, obviously, they haven't got any podiums or race wins, but for the first time in quite a good number of years, it's been possible positive momentum for McLaren, positive forward momentum. And I was skeptical before the the beginning of the year when I saw that they were going to have a lineup of, um, uh, Dan, sorry, not, was Danny Kvyat, so pardon me, uh, Carlos Sainz and uh, Lando Norris uh, for, for 2019. Honestly, I thought that, uh, that Carlos Sainz was maybe a little bit of an unproven quantity in Formula One. Uh, I, was, I thought he was an okay kind of driver, but I mean, they've done a good job. And Lando Norris, a, a highly touted rookie, um, young driver that uh, that hadn't been in Formula One. I mean, Zach Brown was approached uh, last year whether or not uh, he could go on, uh, go on loan. That's uh, Loris could be, at, uh, Lando Norris could be loaned uh, to Toro Rosso for uh, last year. Um, and then uh, or the last half of last year and then the entirety of this season. And then Zach Brown basically said no. And and uh, you can see why. I mean, they've done a very, very good job over the course of uh, this year. And uh, if they need to focus on 2020 to make more steps forward, I think that's a, a very smart uh, decision. They, they've, they've demonstrated, at least in my eyes, that things are finally going in the right direction and that uh, they're doing what they need to do. They've got uh, the, the right people in place. They've got a pair of good drivers. Norris has uh, really uh, outperformed uh, and, and really exceeded my expectations. So I can see now exactly why Zach Brown was so keen to hang on to this guy and make sure that uh, that he wasn't going to leave uh, McLaren or, or you know even if it was on a temporary basis for a team like uh, Toro Rosso. I, I completely understand it now and uh, I would like to see them c- consolidate and solidify that uh, that fourth place in the constructors but if that means that they need to refocus and, and watch what's uh, going on uh, with the development of last year and, and uh, you know make sure that they don't lose uh, sight on their goals and uh, their development for that car. I think I'm okay with that. I mean, I've seen uh, enough forward momentum and enough progress this year that if if it doesn't work out for them and uh, there's uh, some expense that uh, that they need to pay uh, because of that, I, I'm honestly, guys, I'm completely okay with that. I'm fine with that. And uh, it, it's just, it's good to see because, I mean, it's been painful over the past uh, several years. I mean, especially in the, the Alonso era before this year. Well, I mean, last year there, there were some signs here and there, but not uh, big concrete gains like we've seen over the uh, you know the, the the season thus far but you know it, it was painful especially you know I guess going back to 2016 2017 I mean when Honda's coming back in uh, the, the engine was unreliable it had no power I mean uh, couple that with uh, a car that um, you know despite what they're saying publicly was uh, was not as good as uh, they wanted everybody to believe perhaps they believed it themselves that uh, that was much better than they thought uh, but uh, 
it, it was, yeah, it was, it was just not fun to watch. I mean, uh, I grew up in an era watching Alan Prost and Ayrton Senna. And then after that, uh, we had, uh, you know, the likes of uh, Mika Hakkinen and then uh, Kimi Raikkonen. I mean, uh, they, they and some so many great drivers. I mean, Jensen Button. I mean, just, just so many good drivers have driven for McLaren over the years. And just to, to, to weigh, the, the way that they dropped over the edge and into the abyss over the past uh, several years was just, uh, you know, too painful to watch. Okay, and moving along now, let's talk about uh, 2020. And uh, Pirelli apparently has uh, been using some new top-secret testing procedure on uh, their 2020 uh, Formula One tires. And uh, this is uh, as a result of the concerns that were voiced by a number of teams uh, earlier this year that the uh, 2019 tires have too small of an operating window. And Pirelli has uh, tried to, uh, well, they've agreed to try and expand that window for next year. So the the development of the the, the the tire rubber that they're going to use for next year is very very well advanced at this point but one of the big issues uh, for them is to find a way to test these compounds that it wants to use that uh, that hopefully will work over a wider variety of uh, temperatures so uh, Pirelli's uh, head of car racing, uh, Mario Asola, has uh, revealed that the the techniques that they've uh, developed uh, for indoor testing have helped uh, them hit the targets that they needed to. And he said, uh, I quote, uh, what we are doing for next season is to redesign the construction in order to modify the footprint. And that is mainly to reduce overheating. And uh, to design new compounds with new ingredients, we're exploring new directions in order to have a wider working range. We've been working with some indoor tests to understand how to identify and measure the working range properly because the working range is affected by a lot of different uh, elements. So hopefully that uh, that gets uh, sorted out. I mean, uh, the, the problem with the temperature and the just the, uh, you know, the difficulty that a lot of the teams are having just uh, getting the tires into that uh, you know optimal uh, operating or, or, or uh, sweet spot for the uh, optimum operating temperature it just has been a, a real struggle. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of uh, teams, <clears throat> excuse me, saying that uh, that they wanted to uh, dial things back and go back to the the tire rubber that they'd used from from a uh, previous season. So uh, hopefully they can get it done with that. You know, honestly, I don't really like these high degrega- uh, degradation tires. Uh, it's it just seems to be a bit of a waste. I mean, if they could uh, keep them, uh, you know, lasting longer, then that would be a little bit better. I mean, I know that uh, that it all leads to, to um, adds part of it uh, to Formula One, but tires that only last about 10 or 15 laps uh, seems uh, a little bit, uh, you know, wasteful and uh, just a little bit uh, silly. Anyways, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit now about um, the USA. And uh, Miami is back in the news uh, this week with news that uh, a stadium-based uh, race uh, and, and the plan that they have for that is uh, facing a lot of uh, local um, opposition. So it is uh, became like a potential location for a Grand Prix in uh, Miami after plans to use the Port and Bayfront Park areas hit a lot of uh, bumps along uh, the way. So the the Miami Dolphins, uh, the less said about the Dolphins, uh, the better. I'm sure for <laughs> fans of the Dolphins uh, can probably agree. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> it, the, the stadium area is where the Dolphins uh, do play and uh, their owner, Stephen Ross, is also the, the promoter of the, the race. So it is interesting because um you know my, my other podcast uh, focuses on uh, major league soccer and uh, that started way back in uh, 2013 and almost right off of the bat uh, we, we'd been talking about a potential mls uh, team going into miami and it only really became a thing about uh, i guess about a year ago now so i mean it was a good five years at least talking about it uh, intermittently on my other podcast, uh, just uh, about all the snags and the opposition and um, the, the different plans that they had to build a 
stadium down there for the for the MLS team and just um I so I, I should say I'm surprised but not really too surprised that that there is some some local opposition uh, you know to, to get this thing uh, off of the ground I mean uh, I, I mean that's not to be critical of the people that live there I mean I'm not just saying that they should just you know turn a blind eye and put up with all the inconveniences and and all the negative things that come along uh, with that I mean uh, far be it uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that at all I mean it's got to work for everybody or else it's not going to work for anyone right so uh, I, I'm just uh, what the, the point is is that I wasn't surprised uh, too much that um, that that it didn't go off uh, snag free just uh, based on the, uh, the the history and the problems that uh, that David Beckham and his ownership group uh, had trying to get uh, a stadium or, or or land for stadium uh, secured uh, from for their team there so we'll see how that uh, works out but uh, <laughs> it seems that just uh, every once in a while you think it's going to be dead but then it sort of comes back uh, to life again and uh, still no official word on whether or not that's uh, going to actually get off of the ground because I thought uh, the the original idea was to get that uh, that race up and running for either this year or next year and uh, here we are in the the latter third of the 2019 Formula One World Championship and uh, the the Miami Grand Prix or potential one still very much up in the the air. Anyways, uh, before we go and uh, talk about the the Singapore Grand Prix in a little bit more uh, detail, news now that uh, Formula One Sterling Moss is uh, slowly but surely making progress in his return to health uh, at, uh, according to his wife as uh, the Formula One and the racing legend turned 90 years old. So he retired from public life in uh, 2018 in order to focus on his health and spend more time with his family. And uh, Moss ironically um, had fallen ill while traveling in Singapore in uh, 2016 with a very severe chest infection and his wife Susie told British newspaper the Daily Mail that Sterling is a fighter he's making progress but is going slower than we would like anyways we hope that uh, Sir Sterling gets back to full health uh, sooner rather than later and anyways we're going to take one final break on the show here and we're going to come back in just a few moments to talk about the Singapore Grand Prix that's coming up in literally just a couple of hours is when the first practice sessions get underway anyways you're listening to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network don't go away we'll be back in just one moment all right welcome back to Scuderia F1 coming to you once again from the Vivid Seat studio Mark Daly here breaking things down and bringing you all up to date with all the latest news and goings on in the world of Formula One so yes it is the Singapore Grand Prix at Marina Bay this weekend and uh, as I sit here in the studio we are literally just uh, three hours away at uh, at this very moment at 10 30 p.m on a Thursday night here on the west coast of uh, Canada so so three hours until fp1 gets underway obviously by the time the show goes out to, to download <laughs> it will come and gone and pass but anyways good to get back uh, to racing and before we talk about um, the, the the race itself let's just go back and refresh our memories because um i don't remember the standings uh, <laughs> off the top of my head it's been uh, almost two weeks anyways on the constructor side mercedes way out in front over 150 points ahead of ferrari and the constructors at the moment mercedes 505 points. Ferrari second with 351. Red Bull with 266. McLaren 83 for fourth in the World Championship and Renault slowly clawing their way back into the fight with 65 points to round out to the top five. On the driver's side of the World Championship, it's still Lewis Hamilton and has been for a very, very long time. Lewis 284 points. Good for first place in the the World Championship. He's well ahead of his uh, teammate uh, Valtteri Bottas who is second with 
221. Max Verstappen third with 185. Charles Leclerc now well ahead of his teammate Sebastian Vettel. And Charles has 182 points. And Sebastian rounding out the top five in the Drivers' Championship with 169 points. So what will we see this weekend? Well... (laughs) Good question. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit more now. A little bit, uh, a little bit of background about uh, the the uh, track at uh, Marina Bay. It is a five point zero six kilometer long circuit. The race distance is three hundred eight point seven kilometers. There are sixty one laps. The um, tires that have been selected for this week: the hard, medium, and softs. It's the C three hard, C four mediums, and the soft C fives. And Kevin Magnuson. <clears throat> In the house holds a lap record, then that was set in 2018, and K Mag setting a time of one minute 41 seconds point nine oh five. So definitely a longer lap compared to some of the other ones we see, and there are a lot of very tight, uh, very extreme angles in this track. A lot of tra- corners that are 90 degrees or uh, maybe even a little bit more. It is tight. It is twisty. It is narrow. It is dark. It is hot. It is humid. It is muggy. It's a lot of unpleasant things if you're in the cockpit of a Formula One car, but uh, it should be an enjoyable one to watch. So let's just go back uh, last year and uh, refresh our minds. In qualifying, it was number 44, Lewis Hamilton, capturing pole position alongside Max Verstappen. We saw a second row of Sebastian Vettel and uh, Valtteri Bottas. Third row was Kimi Raikkonen in the second Ferrari, lining up uh, in front of Danny Ricciardo in the second Red Bull row. Four was Sergio Perez in the Force India and Roman Grosjean. And row five was Esteban Ocon in the second Force India, or the racing point as it probably was at that point in the season, and then Nico Hulkenberg in the first of the two Renaults. And after the by, by the time it was all said and done, it was uh, Lewis Hamilton winning the race with a, a time of one minute 51, sorry, one hour, 51 minutes and 11 seconds. So, you know, it, uh, this is one, if we see some safety cars or the weather is bad or any combination thereof, we could uh, come up against that two hour hard time limit. I mean, just under uh, normal conditions. I mean, uh, we had uh, just under two hours last year. So certainly a very long race. Anyways, Lewis coming home ahead of Max Verstappen. He was uh, 8.9 seconds behind. And Sebastian Vettel, an afterthought in third position at 39, almost 40 seconds uh, further down the road. Uh, fourth and fifth were a pair of Finns. Valtteri Bottas was fourth, and then Kimi Raikkonen in the second Ferrari, rounding out the uh, the the top five. So by the time it was all said and done. In the World Championship this time last year after Singapore, Lewis Hamilton was 40 points ahead of Sebastian Vettel. Lewis uh, leaving Singapore with 284, sorry, 281 points, excuse me, uh, compared to 241 for Sebastian Vettel. And on the constructor side, it was still fairly close between Mercedes and Ferrari a year ago. Uh, the Silver Arrows uh, ended up with 452 points, and um, that was compared to 415 for Ferrari. So, I mean, if you look uh, just uh, w- what the difference is, just in the constructors uh, compared to this time last year is just uh, it's massive it really is I mean it just uh, really goes to show you I mean we've seen some exciting races and we've seen other guys win I mean look at uh, you know Max winning a couple of races here and there and then Charles winning a couple of uh, races I mean we, we do forget it just, um, well, at least I do. I can only speak for myself, of course, but just how dominant uh, that, that Mercedes has been uh, this year. I mean, uh, they're just literally blowing everybody else uh, out of the water. So it would be nice to, to see, uh, you know, the sustained challenge from Ferrari and perhaps... Uh, <clears throat> 
Red Bull, as uh, we head down the stretch here in the season, but uh, it really does uh, remain to be seen uh, how that's uh, going to shake out. But it really was, uh, I, I think, uh, an interesting, uh, <laughs> well, I, I guess it's kind of predictable too, but I mean, it, I, I think it really kind of shows how that even last year at the end of the year, even with the Renault engine, that uh, that um, Ferrari and Red Bull had kind of, um, I think the signs were there that they were sort of swapping uh, places in terms of, uh, you know, being rivals to uh, Mercedes, I mean, uh, Max, I mean, only nine seconds behind Lewis Hamilton. I mean, Sebastian Vettel almost 40 seconds further down the road. I mean, that's uh, pretty much half a lap, and uh, that's just uh, a lot. That That's just a huge, huge, huge gap. And we've seen a couple times this year how, uh, you know, the same thing. I mean, look at uh, Hungary. I mean, uh, Max and, uh, and Lewis, uh, they were pretty close for a very long time. I know we had pit stops at the end there, but uh, Sebastian Vettel, I mean, he, he played it well. I mean, uh, give him credit and Ferrari credit. I mean, he went uh, for, um, you know, the two stops strategy which in the end uh, you know worked out to his benefit and he was able to pass his uh, teammate uh, Leclerc who was struggling on uh, you know tires tires that were fading you know he, he went for the the hard tires and uh, you know decided only to one stop and, uh, and it was kind of simple for for Sebastian to get his, uh, his uh, get around Charles without uh, too many problems but uh, yeah it uh, it certainly does uh, you know just remind us of the the gap even in that race of how far Ferrari was behind. I mean, this year the uh, the, the Red Bull has really surprised me just at the difference, um, there or maybe not the difference so much, but certainly how uh, the Honda Power has really I, I think uh, surprised me and delivered a lot more than uh, than I was expecting, especially uh, so soon. I know that uh, they said for a very long time that uh, that they wanted to at least give them something comparable to the Renault Power that they've had for for, for many many years, or at least um, you know keep them on the same level that they were with um, uh, Renault last year, and uh, they've ex- exceeded my my expectations, but. Honestly, it really is difficult to predict anybody other than Mercedes winning this race. I know we've seen in more recent times, we've seen some different winners, but it is it is just one of these things. I mean, they have been so dominant. They've been so good this year that that when things go well for them, that's just that there is no competition. And uh, I know that uh, they were beat uh, fair and square on the track in Spa and at Monza over the past couple of races. But I mean, that really does come down to the fact that there were faster, straighter sections that really just played into uh, Ferrari's hand. And uh, I know that uh, if the, the the Belgian Grand Prix maybe goes uh, four or five laps uh, longer, maybe not even that, that, uh, that Lewis Hamilton probably would have caught up and passed Charles Leclerc. I mean, it was very, very close at the end. And um, just that little bit of interference that uh, Sebastian Vettel played in that supporting role in that race, uh, just doing a little bit. I mean, he wasn't uh, you know, really going out of his way to, to, to block or slow down Lewis Hamilton, but uh, the little bit of interference that, uh, that he was able to provide, I think ultimately did fall into the lap of uh, Charles Leclerc and just uh, gave him that little bit of a, a buffer that he needed, uh, a little bit of insurance. And at the, the end of the day, that uh, that second or two was all that he really needed to hang on. But if that lap, if that race goes a couple of laps longer, completely different story. But um, even at Monza there uh, two weeks ago, uh, again, the Ferrari, the straight line speed and the fact that, uh, that Monza is still pretty much flat out. I mean, there are a handful of chicanes and uh and 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 corners through there that uh, slow them down 
a little, <laughs> but not much. Uh, it, it really is a flat out, and that, that was always going to be, I, I think, an advantage for Ferrari. I mean, uh, certainly when you see like the in-car cameras when they come out of parabolic and going down that long start-finish straight, just how Charles would, would just completely pull away from the Mercedes cars. And, uh, you know, God bless, uh, you know, James, or sorry, uh, uh, Crofty and uh, and Martin Brundle on the Sky Sports that we get here in Canada. And, you know, I, I know they have to hype it up, but you could just tell even though that, uh, you know, they say, oh, here comes Lewis Hamilton or here comes Valtteri Bottas. You just look at the the, the gap between us. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Even if they try some Danny Ricardo type uh, late breaking into uh, the, the first corner of Redifilio that it just uh, wasn't quite uh, close enough. I mean, even under breaking, they were able to close the gap a little bit, but just that little bit of advantage that the Ferrari had in the straight line uh, was was enough to uh, really make the difference and just kind of keep them not quite at arm's length, but just enough that um, they, that it would be just barring some sort of mistake from Charles Leclerc that uh, that they would not be able to pass him uh, by the time they got to turn one. But, you know, I, I just kind of keep looking at the remaining races on the season, you know, and, and the rest of the season. And, and who knows, maybe that uh, Ferrari or, or Red Bull can find, uh, you know, something that, uh, that they can uh, win some races here and there. But at some point, I mean, Ferrari, I sorry, pardon me, Mercedes is never going to ease off. They, they, they go out there to win each and every race, each and every weekend. And uh, I, I think that uh, after a while, that uh, if, if they go through a bit of a dry spell, that's just going to make them even more motivated to, to take care of business and get things done. So I'm going to go with, uh, with a Mercedes win this weekend. I, I think Charles Leclerc gets on the podium, and I think that's how it's going to be. I think it's going to be Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, and, uh, and Valtteri Bottas. But who knows? I mean, I mean, it is a track that uh, that that has uh, seen its fair share of drama over the years. So uh, attrition, accidents, um, you know, all sorts of things can happen, and uh, and quite possibly they will. But uh, that that's my my pick for the podium at Singapore this weekend. So we'll wait and see in a couple of days how that turns out. And uh, I'm probably calling it all wrong. I mean, whenever I kind of uh, make uh, these sort of predictions, just sort of off the cuff, and uh, usually I get it right. But anytime I come out and boldly make a statement like that. I usually get it completely wrong. So, I mean, it's probably going to be a podium now of Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, and let's put Danny Ricardo up there. Why not, right? Anyways, we'll see. Perhaps one of my bizarre predictions will come true, and we can talk about it next week. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up there, and thank you all very much for downloading and listening to the show. Thank you for the support, the reviews and ratings that you leave on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. It does make a difference, and again, the show continues to grow each and every month. And I thank you all for your support each and every week. It really does uh, make it all worthwhile and fun to do. Anyways, if uh, you want to get in touch, if you've got anything you want to add to the conversation, if you have any comments or feedback, please do so. Easiest way to send me an email at scuderiaf1 at gmail.com or on the Twitters at scuderiaf one pod. And that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we've got from uh, the, the studio this week. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the Singapore Grand Prix. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.